that is a classic show. How can you even compare the two? It was the last season of The Americans. I absolutely adored that show. Come on, we need to find some rockets. That was the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard on Sensibly Loud Radio. What's up, guys, and welcome back to Sensibly Loud Radio. It's your main man, J-Mac, here on this lovely Wednesday evening. B-Easy is out of the studio this evening, so I'm here with Ben Baseball and Claire Peachy. Guys, how's it going? What's up? Happy to be here. Yeah, yeah. I um, definitely uh, hope none of us get cholera like old B-Easy. I know. Is that what's going on with him? Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like it's any of the diseases you might get in Oregon Trail. That's likely what happened. <laughs> Dysentery, maybe? This one's out for you, Brandon. Make sure you cock the wagon and float it. <laughs> Mark that right out of the gate. I love it. Well, thank you uh, for filling in, Ben and Claire, both. I know uh, Claire Peachy just got done doing an episode of Just Peachy. How was that? It was great. Yeah, if y'all haven't been following along, we are the newest uh, addition to the Sensibly Loud media family. And if you if you watch The Bachelor, you should come listen to our podcast because it, it gets a little crazy. Yeah, I, mean, I almost oh. inadvertently watched a part of The Bachelor yesterday. Really? And you it, did you watch much of it or you just changed the channel immediately? I walked through my in-law's living room and I was like, oh, that looks like The Bachelor. I'm going to go on with my life. <laughs> <laughs> no, fair enough. And that's how no, it's, it's, it's great. I, I know that what y'all are doing uh, is getting um, I'd love to say that our flagship baseball podcast that Justin and I run is like the gem. But truthfully, just peachy with Claire Peachy and Caitlin Peachy is crushing all of the numbers. And uh, y'all are doing amazing stuff. It's absolute insanity, but I'm happy for you guys. Well, we have y'all to thank, though. So you, you started off with nothing and we kind of just came in and learned from you so hey we build we build empires we make shows that's what we do (laughs) you know it's fine so i'm happy with it i'm excited about it it's been fun to to produce this is the first show that i've gotten to just produce as well so it's been great i can kind of be like we refer to it sometimes as like the voice of god where i'm just kind of like in the background every (laughs) now and then and just like chime in because you really never know when i'm gonna chime in it's really really random it's very true it's great yeah, it works out perfectly. So I, I'm barely on it, but it's still fun to produce. And the other thing is, I mean, Jason writing the the Bachelor blogs is just electric. It's great. I think I've said he knows more about it than I do, which I don't know if should be concerning or not. But it makes me laugh every week. So I'll take it. Yeah, definitely want to make sure that, that everyone checks it out. Just peachy. Uh, and I guess as the Sensibly Loud family is growing, uh, it's definitely worth noting. What did you get up to on Monday? Did you have yourself a good President's Day? I did, man. So for those that don't know, we've had a ton going on behind the scenes. We're designing a new website right now, which is probably like 90% done. I'd say within the month, we're going to be able to roll it out. It's awesome. I've worked my ass off on it. So is Brandon, but it is absolutely worth it. It looks fantastic so far, and I think it's going to have some more improvements done. The functionality is going to be better. You know, it really pissed me off. I don't think I even got a chance to tell either of you this the other day. So I found this GIF. I know I showed it to Ben of this dude. and I I showed it to you too, Claire, where this guy was like walking down his driveway. It was an icy day, and he like slipped, and both (laughs) of his shoes came off as he slipped. Like that was the first thing that happened. And I wanted to blog it, and we didn't have the capability to do it on our current blog. We couldn't blog with GIFs for whatever reason, and I nearly went ballistic. Wait, why? I don't understand. I don't know. It just doesn't have that functionality. 
But the new website the, will. The new website will, yes. Okay. Yeah, that, that GIF was hilarious. I watched it probably on repeat 20 times in a row, and I laughed out loud just as much every single time. <laughs> now, are are y'all going to go ballistic because I pronounce it GIF? No. I know that okay. there's there's two schools of thought. If we we're going to have like a, some hard divisions in no. this. I've gone back and forth on both, but I've settled on GIF. But if you say GIF, I'm not going to give you crap about it. Yeah. Thank you. I'd like to see where Brandon falls on this. More to come with that, I guess. <laughs> when you get dysentery, you know. But no, right. so um, anyway, so as we've grown as a company, we have gotten into bigger things and, and different, you know, avenues and whatnot. So hence, like adding just peachy, like we started off as really kind of a sports site, really, truly like a baseball podcast. And then it grew into basketball and it kind of went from there. We've added shows. So now we're up to five shows, including just peachy. It's gotten more diverse and it, it's gotten more fun. But with all that that's come down the pike, it's mean that we have to step our games up. And I think that we've done nothing but look to step our game up ever since we started this. Would you agree, Ben? Absolutely. And uh, so to, to cut to it, I mean, basically, we decided, hey, we got to we got to hit season two of the outfielder strong. And so we've been filming a commercial. Yeah. So we started filming the commercial. So I went uh, Claire and I went to Denver last a uh, couple weeks ago and saw the great Sambino. And so we filmed some footage. I don't want to give up anything away yet because we haven't premiered it yet, but filmed some footage up in Colorado. And then, Ben, you and I went to the park on Monday and we'll talk about that here in a second and film the rest of it. It's going to be all, I think it came out pretty well, man. I'm excited about it. Yeah, I'm definitely excited. Um, I, I think I'm, I'm most excited that we didn't get arrested for trespassing. Yeah. And then I'm also excited about the commercial, like in that order of things that excite me. Anytime I can stay out of jail is uh, pretty high on that list. I would like to clarify, though, I'm not afraid to get arrested for this company. But the thing is, it's got to be worth it. It's not going to be for something stupid like I've got good lawyers. I'm not worried about that. You know, we so, let's let's set the stage. We're, Justin and I, we're, we're at this ballpark and we're like, oh, man, this is a really awesome ballpark. There's a rather ritzy city that's kind of between where, where J-Mac and I sort of live. And so we go to this ballpark and the signs are all like, hey, the park's open, you know, 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. Come have fun. But everything has a lock on it. Everything. There's a padlock on every gate. Why? So it's like, okay, well, that's the thing is, if we're not welcome, put that on the sign. Right. The sign said, all are welcome, but the lock said, go hose yourself. Yeah. <laughs> the, the lock definitely was not inviting. All, all, all the way around, that place was locked up tighter than a drum. Was this a, was this a school or like supposed to be a public park? or Very public park, like a public park with public parking and... And all sorts of stuff. There's like there's like a gym nearby, but it's like the the city gym. Um, there's batting but, cages. Yeah. Well, anyway, so Justin and I decide as we're in the parking lot, kind of coming up with our game plan. We see two um, like bro looking teenagers, and we're like, "Hey, how do we get on the fields?" And without missing a beat, they go, "Oh, you gotta ask the city, or just hop the fence." What are y'all here for? <laughs> it's like. We're uh, we're here to we're here to film a commercial for a podcast. You go, you're gonna be long. I said no, and he goes, you should probably just hop the fence then. And then <laughs> they walk away. And we're like, okay, well, you know, like if you add up your ages, you're equal to one of Justin and I. So I like to think we have a little bit more experience in this, but maybe not. But also, we were pretty willing to jump that fence, though. To be fair, sure. I yeah. even found the the four footer, so we didn't have to climb the eight or sixteen foot. So. <laughs> But here's the thing. Here's the thing about fences. And I'm going to even say walls. People find a way 
to get through them. Uh, and so in this case, there was a gate and it had a padlock on it. And I flipped the padlock open and it says number. We'll say the number was one, two, three, four. Okay, whatever the number was, but it said one, two, two and a half, four. And I look at it and say, what do you want to bet the password's one, two, three, four? So I spin the lock and pull it. And sure enough, I now have an open padlock and free access to this ball field. Right. So we walk around a little bit, survey the area, think, okay, we talk about what we're going to film and how we're going to do it so we can get in and out of there quickly and get the hell out of there no matter what. Just because it just didn't seem like they wanted people there. It really didn't. But did you, so you got it open, but did you walk into the field or you're still standing outside? Still standing outside. There was like grounds crew who were like seeding the lawn. I think that's the right verb for it, right? Is it seeding yeah, the lawn? Yeah, it is. Okay. Anyway, they were aerating. They were irrigating. <laughs> they were getting ready for the spring baseball season. And so like we we're kind of getting a vibe where they're like, hey, what are these two idiots with a camera doing? <laughs> oh, they were definitely, they definitely had that vibe because we had a camera and then we, <laughs> we had a bunch of baseball stuff. Like Ben was carrying a purple bat. And like, you know, I had a, we had a couple baseball and a glove, you know, and all that. So we were ready to go. And Ben and I are standing there like in front of this thing. And we're like, okay, we're going to wait for these people to drive off. And then we're going to make this happen quick. And Which it would be a really good plan, except they didn't drive off. They right. just sat there. Right. They just sat there. And like this dude was just like on his phone. I'm like, does this dude care or not? Like, can we just like walk in this bitch or is he like waiting to bust us. It felt like he was just waiting to say something. Didn't so they weren't inside the field? They no, were outside? They were outside with us. Mm. And you didn't feel comfortable enough to go up and ask them? Like they looked kind of shady or well, suspicious? It wasn't that they looked shady. It's that then we get a hard no. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that was the main thing. Yeah. It's but, you get hey, a hard no or you go in and you get arrested. That's right. Okay. That's exactly it. <laughs> Okay. Maybe. So anyway, maybe, but it said it's open to the public, so I don't understand how that would be the right. case. No, other I, than the fact that we, you know, <laughs> took the lock off and walked in. Yeah. <laughs> the lock was on its combination. I just pulled to see if it was locked, and it wasn't. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Anyway, long story short, we definitely got in, got footage that we needed. No one got in trouble. No one got arrested. And uh, looking forward to. Uh, premiering the commercial here in the next couple weeks so a lot of good stuff uh, on the horizon we had to alter a little bit of the original idea for the commercial but i think it was worth it yeah i definitely think it was worth it we we are nothing if not flexible indeed i'm glad that we were able to get sam in it too i think that was the hardest part just given that you know he lives halfway across the country and all hey man you just gotta represent the atl that's right. You got to make it happen when you can. I think there's a chance that Sam could be here for opening weekend, in which case we're going to have a lot of fun. Dude, it's going to be great. But hey, our our fine listeners aren't here to listen to us talk about baseball. They're here to talk about entertainment. And guess what? There's some entertaining stories that we need to share. Claire, are you aware of the return of Smash Mouth into J-Max life? I don't know that you are. I am not. I've heard... St- stories about this but no nothing recently yeah so okay. here's that <laughs> yeah go ahead well, buckle so up here's the thing i converse with a lot of people on on social media and the significance of smash mouth has been at, up to this point because it's really funny but at this point it's really just annoying me because these guys pop up in the most random ass places i swear 
And so it may have started years ago with a little bit of internet trolling where maybe Justin was poking fun at Smash Mouth. But it has gotten to the point where if Justin tweets about the San Francisco giant, Smash Mouth is all up in his business trying to pick a fight with J-Mac. Like, like in any not- way, <laughs> like in any way, they're trying to look for like anything I say about the Giants. I was commenting on Bryce Harper the other day you know, meeting with them or whatever. And then I said, and then the news about Bruce Bochy came out of retiring. And I said something about that. And all of a sudden into my, my mentions is smash mouth again, (laughs) trying to defend the giants for some reason. And I don't understand why this nineties band seems to want to pick a fight with me of all people. This is the third time this has happened. Do they go online? Is it not just you? Is it just to like anybody? And they just start debates with, I'm not sure at this point. I, well, I they definitely do that with people, with a lot of people, and we found we've since found out that they're pretty triggered. We definitely found out that it's easy to trigger them off. Is it for just the giants or anything? Just the giants, it seems. What? Why? I don't know, and <laughs> I don't know if they have like keyword searches out for people tweet about the giants. I mean, I definitely do that for like big games and stuff like that, Super Bowl and stuff like that. You search the hashtag, you jump into some comments, and you talk to some people. That's how it works. Yeah, but. If I'm like a at least gold, potentially multi-platinum musician, I'm not fighting with people about Tim Lincecum's haircut. Right, exactly. And that's my point. And so it's one of these things where it's like the first time it was funny, the second time it was a little less funny, and now I'm just annoyed and I want them to stay the hell out of my life. But, you know, it's content, so I'll do whatever. But I, uh, I roasted them pretty good because I tweeted something back at them and was like, do you have a, a lame-ass 90s song or something like that for this situation? And they sent me a video, like a YouTube link back, and, and the YouTube art was their the cover of Fushi Bang, which was their first album, with Walking on the Sun and all that crap on it. Which yeah. would, That was back when they were actually pretty decent. So and, don't delay, act now. Supplies are running out. That's right. <laughs> and so it was clearly like a song off that album, and it was just called Sorry About Your Penis. What? And I was like, uh, did you just burn yourself? Like, <laughs> I feel like you just burned yourself. And so I tweeted back and said something like, haha, so thin skinned. You had a, a song ready and everything. And he responded back for some reason and said, actually, there are two versions of this. And everybody thanks, loved my response. the trivia. Yeah. And I'm like, awesome. And so I responded back and just said, couldn't get it right the first time, huh? And that's the, the tweet that semi-explo- <laughs> <laughs> semi-exploded. Likewise, I think that one had two or 300 likes, something like that. People were people were hot about that one. Was this very... Re- like, when did this happen? About a week like, ago. Last week. Yeah. I just... I, I can't even keep track of this shit that happens anymore because I feel like I fight with these people all the time on Twitter. It's ridiculous. Jason got involved, too. He can vouch for the whole thing. Hmm. Long story short, th- there are musicians that we don't want to talk about, and there are musicians that we want to talk about. So with that in mind, I do want to tee up this next segment here. There's a ton of good stuff happening here with Sensibly Loud Media, and we have our first musical guest. Uh, We just finished an interview we're going to play here. So I do want to introduce, this is Josh. He's lead singer and guitar player for an alt-country band called Vandaliers. Uh, They are releasing their next uh, record this Friday. They have an album release show at the Granada Theater in Dallas, Friday, February 22nd. Uh, the album is forever and it's on bloodshot record so it's like a pretty big deal that they're you know that we got this guy on our podcast yeah man it was an awesome interview to do i'm excited to share it with everybody so without further ado i give you josh from the vandaliers 
And welcome back to Sensibly Loud Radio. Once again, I am Ben Baseball, and I'm joined by J-Mac founder and, of course, Claire Peachy. And we do have a special guest with us on right now. Give it up for Josh from the band Vandaliers. Josh, how are you this evening? Doing good, man. Doing good. Hanging in there. Awesome, man. Well, hey, we are definitely glad to have you on. Uh, I noticed some some news about uh, about your band today. Uh, it looks like y'all got your first album review uh, in Dying Scene. I mean, how does that feel? Uh, it's pretty good. Uh, it, I, it's weird that it's not the first. Well, I don't know. I guess it's the first one that that plays, but that's uh, no, pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Um, yeah. I've had bands that would be more inclined to get a review from dying scene that have been denied and then for some reason they thought my country album should get a review so rock and roll <laughs> no that's uh, that's today. definitely fantastic i mean i know growing up listening to uh to blink and and most of the other pop punk scenes i think we all would bookmark that website for a, a long time in 03 and 04 trying to make sure i mean would you say that was maybe some sort of like small private goal or would you think that that's just kind of a cool thing that happened i mean how do you kind of reconcile that uh, I would say just like a pleasant surprise more than anything. Um, I'm just glad they liked it. I'm glad they listened to it. Um, the the review thing is, is always a, a double-edged sword. It's like if you read them, then you kind of give a shit what other people think about your music. And then, um, but if you don't read them, then you never know if you know, people are latching on to it. So, um it's really cool, and I, I just try to keep on a healthy mindset with all those reviews, and I'm just glad it's uh, uh, connecting with people, I guess, is a better way of thinking about it, you know? So it's a, it's a cool thing. I'm really excited about it. It's funny that Hopefully. you say that, Josh, because we, uh, we kind of use that as somewhat of a gauge in a lot of ways. If we're not hearing from people in one way or the other, then things may not be going as well as we'd planned, so... You know, it's one of those things where you're always at least happy to hear from from people one way or the other, I guess. Yeah, yeah. You know, when you make a record, um, it's a lot healthier to not care if anybody ever hears it and just make sure that you're happy with it before you finish it. Um, And I felt like we did that. And then you do have like a lull period between the release of it and... uh, you know, you, you start going like, oh, shit, I hope it wasn't too weird. <laughs> you know? and, then, uh, and then later on, you know, you find out that it, you know, connects with people and people are responding to it positively. And uh, it's definitely a, a boost of confidence, you know, when you're questioning everything. So it's cool. I'm really excited about it. Well, nice, man. No, that's great to hear. So if we walk it back, uh, tell us uh, and our audience more about Vandaliers. I mean, how did y'all get started? Um, in 2015, um, I was a touring musician with uh, a punk band called The Fuss. And at the end of that record cycle, the band kind of self-imploded. And so I was kind of in a weird spot where I wasn't playing music and I knew that if I didn't play music for very long, I'd probably go into a downward spiral like I did when I was in, when I was like 18 or 19. So instead of, you know, being depressed about not having a band anymore, I just started writing music. Um, I had a, my wife had an acoustic guitar that was really beat up and out of tune, but I finally got it to like 
tune to itself. So I just started writing on that instead of plugging into a giant amp and being loud. And I kind of just simplified um, my writing and simplified my playing to the lowest common denominator, which was just, you know, a couple of chords and a story. Um, and I ended up writing um, a lot of songs, probably about 20 within a weekend. And it was, uh, it was nice. It was uh, kind of like letting go of some stuff. And I got to kind of walk through a couple of the things that um, I would consider baggage. And so I, uh, from there, I had a batch of songs that I didn't know what to do with. And I started calling um, a couple of audio engineers and producers that I knew. And uh, one of them was John Pettigo from uh, a band called O's. And he really latched onto the songs and saw potential in them. And so I just kept going, I just started going over to his house and we just kind of would demo out these songs and kind of coming up with what sounds would be cool with it. So I just started calling my friends if they wanted to come and record. Um, by the end of that process, I had a full length record um, called Americinda. And through that process, I found people who were passionate about my songs and passionate about the direction of the band. And um, we thought it'd be cool to play a show. And so we uh, started in the parking lot of uh, the door in Dallas for a festival called Big Falcon Festival. And I think we played it like noon that day and uh, 50 people showed up for us. And there was like a couple of hundred people there um, and it went over really well. So we, we thought about playing another show and we tried to do one in Fort Worth and then that show pretty much sold out. Um, and it was different, you know, playing in front of people like that. Um, and so we were like, okay, well, I guess people like it. Or maybe we'll make some t-shirts. <laughs> so we made some t-shirts and we just kept going. And so, um, it wasn't really like a planned thing. It was just more of a organic creative process. And, um, I'd been doing it for a long time at that point. So I just started seeing the reactions that people were having and, um, I saw something special in it. And so we all decided that we were going to try one last time to be a, a band and, you know, release records and go on tour and stuff. Um, and then we ended up on a local label called State Fair Records. And they re-released Americinda um, nationwide, and we started working on our sophomore album, The Native. Um, when The Native was released, it was the first time that it was in, like, Rolling Stone and uh, Noisy Vice and Taste Magazine. and um, It was also the first time that I had a booking agent, the manager. Um, and so... I wasn't the one booking the tours and there was an income and there was consistency. And so I quit my day job along with a couple of the other band members and we went 100% into it on a nationwide level. Um, and after about a year of touring, um, our contract with State Fair was up and we got a call from Bloodshot Records to play their South by Southwest. Um, uh, showcase last year and um, you know at that time I didn't really know if they were going to offer us like a record contest or anything like that we just thought it was really cool to go play for an institution that we really looked up to 
and were inspired by. And so we just wanted to play our best, and we went to the show, and uh, we played their gay party at the Art Dog, and uh, their fan base was there in very large numbers, and we played the best that we were we possibly could and we were really proud of the way that we played and when we got off stage uh, in cliche fashion Bloodshot offered us a contract um, and now we're here where I'm releasing my first Bloodshot album and I mean that's that's fantastic so and I, I think I've seen videos of that where aren't y'all like playing on a boat or on the river or something like isn't there some there was some unique scenario in Austin or was that a different thing that was the that was the first year we went to South by. Um, we were there showcasing for State Fair and the Atomic okay. Beat Music Group and a couple of others. I think we had like three shows in total, um, and that was for the new Nashville sound, which my manager at the time uh, got us on that bill. And that was a really fun show. I loved playing on the boat. It was, it was super fun. But that was our first year. Um, last year was our second outing to South by. This year will be our third. Um, and you know, this year we're not showcasing for to be on Bloodshot. We're showcasing because we're releasing a record on Bloodshot, so it's a full circle kind of feel. Well, it's kind of a perfect segue um, because Forever it comes out this Friday. Uh, that's Friday, February twenty second. Y'all are doing a big album release show at the Granada Theater in Dallas. I mean, you know, tell us about your new record. I mean, what was the recording process like? How's this been different than any of the other records y'all have made? Well, I mean, for starters, we weren't really sure if we were going to get to make a record. Um, I always, most of the time when I, I release a record, I a big weight off my shoulders and I start writing another one. Um, music's been my outlet for over half my life, so it's just kind of a process that I go through. But there's a lot of stress that happens when you're trying to release an album. Um, but once The Native was out, um, we were on the road with Old Night Sevens and the first time in my life I didn't have to drive the van. I was in a, I was in an RV and bored. So I just started writing in the back um, with my guitar and a pad of paper. Um, and I just kind of kept writing. But I guess the, the difference between this and like the between period of the natives and Americanga, there was a lot more time, uh, mostly because of the label transfer and all that stuff. And, all the business jargon no one cares about. Um, but in the end, it was about two years of writing um, while touring. So um, in that realm, I had a lot more time. So I ended up writing, you know, in the upwards of a, a 50 songs-ish type thing. I mean, a little more give or take on that one. I can't remember, but it was a fuckload of songs. Um, I had, you know, books and books and books of of you know, material, and uh, I had time to go through and kind of sift through and pick the right songs and rewrite. And I also had the chance to go out to Nashville and co-write with some people. And I had uh, a chance to work with uh, Rhett Miller from Neil Nine Seven on some of my songs. And uh, also, at this point, you know, a big difference was we had time to kind of choose where we were going to go. Um, we had a lot of options, so we kind of took that time to, you know, find our right home for this recording. We ended up in Memphis um, with Adam Hill, and he had produced some really great records uh, from Mocha Connie and um, Deer Tech, which are both bands that we really love. And we love the vibe. 
Um, we went to Memphis and took a tour of a couple of studios. We went to like Sam Phillips and uh, a couple of other ones. And we ended up at American Recording Studios where uh, Wilco's AM, which is like one of my favorite records, it's the first Wilco record was recorded there. And like my tracks like Blood Cells and, um, you know, good, good news for people who love bad news was recorded there. Um, and the the vibe of the studio was perfect. Um, it was organized, but there was still like some ghosts lingering in there, so you could kind of latch on to the ethos of Memphis music, and uh, it was comfortable, um, you know. And so the writing process was a lot longer. Picking the studio took a lot longer, but we also had time to kind of think about the arrangements and the music, and we had time for pre-production, and we had just more time in general. So once we got to the studio, we were a lot more prepared than we were for the natives. Um, I felt like we were more of a band at that point. Um, one of the coolest things that we did was write. There's a lot of horn arrangements on this album with the, the trumpet and the fiddle. And we got to write those in the mountains while we were out um, touring the mountain state. So we were writing in, you know, New Mexico and the Rockies and South Colorado, and then we were up in Yellowstone writing, and then we were all the way up in uh, Bozeman, Montana writing out there too. So it was a really, really cool experience, and um, it's been really, really fun. Something that you mentioned, Josh, is that uh, you kind of mentioned earlier that you know you went from playing rock and and kind of slimmed down your rig down to you know acoustic and and that kind of thing, and, and really started to get experimental with that kind of side of things, which I can kind of relate to because I used to be in rock bands for years and. Um, you know, kind of move towards the acoustic side of things. So I can I can relate there, but there is a certain niceness about being able to just write anywhere like that and being able to go different places and just pull out the guitar and, and noodle around and figure it out. I feel like that's got to be liberating for you guys too, right? Yeah, I mean, I hate rehearsal spaces. Usually they're really noisy because you can hear like some butt rock band through the walls and it's hard to concentrate. And um uh, we really wanted to get out of our comfort zone and we also just wanted to get into a place where we were comfortable. Um, and we have to travel all the time. So it wasn't like we had the, um, the luxury of getting a month in the studio to kind of hash all these songs out. Um, we kind of had to put the 10 and, and then go for it. Um, because even though we had as much time, once, the train starts moving, it's pretty quick. Yeah. Um, but once the contract was signed, we had about three months before we had to go into the studio. Oh, yeah, um, so you had to get ready quick, it sounds like. Yeah, so <laughs> we went in and arranged the trumpets and fiddles on the songs that we thought were going to have trumpets and fiddles on it um, for that whole mariachi vibe and, you know, spent about a month and a half in pre-production, which was just rehearsing. And we did that in Dallas um, before we went to Memphis. And then once we got to Memphis, we only had a week to make the record. Right. Wow, that's crazy. What uh, what would you say your top one or two tracks off the new album are for those of us that are going to be checking it out? Well, I mean, for me, the songs that were really important to me were Fallen Again and 15 Years Fallen Again. Um, I kind of got to talk about um, my struggles with anxiety and depression, um, which happened, and it's 
kind of crippling at times. And thankfully I've always had music as an outlet and all that stuff. But, um, that song was one of those that, uh, it felt like I had something to say more so than, you know, a typical breakup song or a punk rock song or anything like that. It was just, it was kind of more of like me opening up and being vulnerable. So I think that song is particularly special. And then, um, 16 years is a pretty, you know, it, it's a, just a testament of my journey and kind of like my struggles of, you know, weeding through this industry. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time that I wrote it, I, I realized that I'd been playing music for 16 years straight, always being in a band and always making records and wasn't really sure where that got me. But, um, by writing that song, I kind of took some of my self-doubts and some of my uh, trials and, you know, reaffirmed myself that I'm in the right place and I'm doing the right things with my life and that uh, um, I'm lucky to be here. So uh, those two songs are very important to me. No, man, that's, that's great. And thanks for sharing. I think that, you know, I guess especially as in, you know, as someone who's creating you know, art, that would really be just really humbling because you're putting it out there. And so what people will latch on to, you know, someone may gravitate towards this because they're going through something or someone may, you know, it's all, it's not only about the song, but I mean, I guess as the audience connects with it at a certain point, you know, uh, I, I dug y'all's first single, but when your second single off this record came out, Cigarettes in the Rain, I don't know if it was just one of those days, but I mean, it hits you, man. And so I'm definitely ready to hear uh, the rest of it. You got a ton of ton of great stuff from what i've heard off of it so far yeah thank you um cigarettes on the rain was really great um that's one of the songs i wrote in Nashville. I, I ended up writing like 12 songs um during a weekend as co-writes up there at the time i didn't know if i was going to keep any of them i was just um kind of going up there and trying to learn the craft a little bit better um kind of getting out of my comfort zone and you know, working with other people and kind of not being so one-sided. And uh, it was actually at my first co-write for the weekend. Um, my last producer, John Pedigo, and I went up to Nashville and he introduced me to this guy, Arliss Albritton, who's a wonderful writer and a wonderful person. We weren't really sure we were going to write anything, um, but we went over to his house for dinner and uh, I got to meet a beautiful family and I got to hang out and Arliss was a really personable dude and kind of latched on to my style of writing and he was very open and he was very um, you know uh, he was just very supportive of you know my thought process with songwriting and he was really intrigued by it and um, he started asking me you know he knew I was married but he also started asking me about past relationships and you know like one of the things he was like, you know, has anybody ever like really fucked you up? You know, like broken your heart like really bad? And I was like, yeah, man, of course, you know, I've gone through a lot. And so we kind of just started talking about those things and, you know, what that, what happens to you after something like that. And, um, you know, I, I told him, you know, my whole, my whole life crumbled around me and that, um, you know, I had a, a really hard time kind of getting everything back together and so 
I had my cigarette and I went outside and it was raining and I was smoking a cigarette and he was kind of like, he cracked a joke about how superfluous it is to try to smoke when it's raining outside and suddenly we had the hook. And then we went in and the song, like there are some songs that take like months to write and then there are some songs that take minutes. And I feel like that was one of those that um, took minutes to write and I thought it was really special. So when I came home, I was showing the band kind of what I had written over the weekend and everybody really latched on to that one. And uh, I was, uh, I didn't know if it was going to work for us because we usually were pretty up-tempo, um, but I, we hadn't done a ballad at that point other than maybe Wildflower, which is still pretty triumphant. So uh, we started working on it and the music really came together and the band really um, took it to a very powerful level musically. And I think it came out great. No, you're right, man. When, when those drums kick in, there's a ton of good stuff there. Once again, uh, we are here with Josh of Vandaliers. Their uh, first record on Bloodshot Records comes out this Friday. That's February 22nd. Plus, they're doing an album release show at Granada Theater in Dallas. So tons of great stuff on the horizon. Uh, now, Josh, I know that y'all uh, have some sort of a, you know, as a touring musician, y'all are definitely taking in a lot of media and, and listening to tons of music. So what are you kind of rocking out to this week or this month? What's on y'all's playlist? Oh, God. Um, I've been listening to a lot of older stuff, um, mostly just to kind of calm my anxiety. I've um, been listening to a lot of Guy Clark and Towns Van Zandt. Um, and then um, also just, you know, outside of that genre, like I still listen to, you know, my punk my punk shit and <laughs> um yeah i'm still in love with the bronx they just came out with a new record that i really love and it's pretty hard rock and um but you know at the same time I, i'm really i'm very connected to the local community in dallas and fort worth and so i've been listening to a lot of uh artists from around town and joshua ray walker just put out a record that i really love and he has a song called canyon that's fantastic it's probably one of the best songs ever written um, and he's doing some really great things, and I'm very fortunate that he's a close friend of mine. It's great to watch. No, that's awesome, man. That's that's fantastic. So we'll definitely have our people check out, uh, you said, Joshua Ray Walker with a song called Canyon. Yeah. No, that's perfect. Yeah. Uh, so we'll do uh, two final questions here to, to sort of wrap things up. We want to be respectful of your time. Um, so do you have any sort of um, like favorite tour stop from, from all the tour and y'all been doing as you kind of break out on the national scene, any hidden gems or dives from along the way that, that you feel are worth sharing? I mean, as a dive, uh, Milwaukee is a dive bar town. I, I love Milwaukee and I love the people in it. And uh, there's a, a family um, uh, of a promoter named Mark and his wife, Marky, and so we call them Marky Mark, of course, and they always let us stay at their house. And, you know, they've kind of become our home away from home, and we really love going up there. And when they we announce a tour and Milwaukee's not on it, I always get a call from them very angry. Um, and that's one of my favorite places in the world um, to be. It's beautiful. It's cold. Um, it's pretty much the antithesis of Texas. Um, you know, Montana is great. Livingston's beautiful. Bozeman's gorgeous. Uh, we really love uh, traveling through national parks. I think this year we're going to get to go through Yosemite, which we awesome. haven't hit yet. Um, you know, other than that, I mean, we're we're everywhere all the time when we're traveling, and so 
unfortunately it kind of becomes a blur of different bars and theaters. So, um, Jason Isbell has a line where if you didn't look out the window, you'd be in the same bar. Um, and that kind of struck me once and I was just like, Oh my God, he's totally right. Like I have no idea where I'm at most of the time. Um, sometimes it all looks the same. So when you find little places that are extraordinary, like Milwaukee and, and Memphis and Nashville and, uh, you know, parts of California, like Santa Rosa and all that stuff, it's, it's really, really great to kind of feel like you're out, um, you know, experiencing the world. No, that's awesome. Um, so definitely, uh, thank you for coming on. We do have one final question here. Once again, we're with Josh from Vandaliers. Uh, their record forever comes out this week. Make sure to check it out. But Josh, here at Sensibly Loud Media, we are definitely all about the breakfast cereal. So what's your top breakfast cereal and why? Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Yes. Tell us more. The milk tastes the best. Uh, Man, thanks for having me, guys. Hey, dude, it was our pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on, dude. And we are back. Once again, that was Josh from Vandaliers. Make sure y'all check that out. Justin, Claire, what'd y'all think? That guy was super interesting, man. It's awesome always to hear about the recording creative process. I think it's... What I liked about it the most, honestly, is I feel like for someone that, as far as interview purposes go, he gave you a lot (laughs) of material. He talked a lot, which was great. Makes it not hard interviewing-wise. For sure. We've definitely dealt with that before. (laughs) definitely tons of tons of good stuff on there it's also really cool to um to talk to people who's like music i'd want to hear it's not like smash mouth you know like <laughs> it's <Those> bastards <laughs> no it's 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 someone who's like you know like hey this is really cool and so uh definitely want to make sure everyone who listens to our podcasts uh go check them out I really appreciate him coming on and taking the time to I mean he spent like 20 30 minutes with us really talking through the ins and outs of some of the emotion about, you know, writing this album and what it meant to him and all that stuff and I felt like it was really interesting and we look forward to kind of following him more and and talking to him down the road. So, it's the second uh, second big guest that we've had here at SLM in the last probably 3 or 4 months. That's good, man. Things are on the up and up. Absolutely. Well done, everyone. Let's talk a little bit about what everybody's watching. So, Ben, you were telling us, or you were telling me a little bit about something you've been watching on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. So, um, it's it's also worth noting. I know earlier I didn't mean to burn the Bachelor. It wasn't that I wasn't going to sit down and watch the Bachelor yesterday, Claire. (laughs) But what I did end up watching uh, was Indiana Jones: Raiders of the Lost Ark. Okay. Classic, solid Indiana Jones film, the first of the series. Anyway, so if there's any sort of justification. I'm going to stick with Harrison Ford on this one. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. All right. So have y'all seen or heard of this show? Uh, I think it was on Lifetime originally, and now it's on Netflix, and it's called You. 100% absolutely. Awesome. What's y'all's take on You? So I don't think Justin has. Oh, no, I have no idea. <laughs> he has no idea. I've t- I I watched this probably a month or so ago. Um. I binge watched it. I didn't watch it when it was on Lifetime. I don't know if you did or you binged it on Netflix here recently. Yeah, my wife and I, we sat down and we probably, uh, I think it's 13 or 14 episodes. And uh, we would have, we probably watched it in three or four days. Like it was a, 
hey kids leave us alone we're trying to watch this show sort of thing yes it was it was incredible so justin if you haven't heard of it it's basically um it's kind of like the antithesis to your traditional romantic comedy because it still follows a lot of the same sort of tropes. You know, mm -hmm. there's the aspiring, the, the young woman who's an aspiring writer. Uh, there's like the, the quirky best friend who's like rich for some weird reason. Uh, and then there's the guy that she has this sort of meet, meet cute with. Um, and, you know, he works like in a bookstore and he's all down to earth or whatever. That's mm -hmm. at least what you're led to believe. It quickly goes in a in a wildly different direction because it's kind of narrated by your, I want to say protagonist, but I also want to say antagonist because mm -hmm. kind of in a Sopranos sort of Walter White sort of way, um, he's not a good dude. Uh, we're talking stalking, manipulative behavior, um, like emotionally abusive, uh, down the line spoiler alert, potentially physically abusive. Like there is tons of not good going on. And is that pretty accurate, Claire? That is absolutely accurate because, yeah, like you said, you're he's someone, the main character is someone that you are kind of oddly rooting for, but you know that he is a creepy, horrible person who ends up, I mean, I could, spoiler alert, I mean, is physically abusive and kills people. Right. And <laughs> and that's that's, I think, so number one, what's nice about this show is everyone has flaws so i know that that's true like in life but in this show there is no sort of perfect character like everyone you meet has both good and bad traits yeah and so even this terrible person who's kind of narrating the story and you're seeing him legit stalk this woman and like just do absolutely terrible things to control her situation and control her life like he's taking care of his abused neighbor kid like there are redeeming qualities in him which make it that much harder to watch all these terrible sort of things kind of transpire yes. interesting yeah. Is, so it's, it's also got go ahead i was gonna say so it's definitely worth the watch absolutely yes would i like this i think you would because it's interest. it's not like a a chick show like it's one it's it's a it's kind of comedic but it's also got drama involved in it but okay. it's um yeah it's not like a romantic comedy type show yeah i call it like a dark dramedy yes okay yeah all right i'll think about it if i get some time maybe i feel like the the hopper's been a little dry lately i feel like we've been caught up on everything mostly ben you talked about the creepiness factor and all that stuff and something claire and caitlin covered on just peachy a little while ago but we talked about briefly have you heard about this abducted in plain sight thing just bits and pieces. Tell me more about it. Dude, this little girl gets kidnapped twice by the twice? same guy. And that's not even the craziest part of the story. And it's not even close. It is the most that unbelievable story you'll ever hear, Ben. Like, kidnap me once, shame on you. Right. That's no, I'm kidding. Yeah, no, no that's, I that's agree. But like, strong agree. That's ridiculous. So this is, is this a documentary? Is this a, like a drama series? Like It's funny that you say that because there were at least two or three times where I paused it and said, Claire, is this a parody? Is this for real? <laughs> like, I didn't know if it was real or not because I was so jaw on the floor flabbergasted. I've never seen such a bad string of decisions. 
Really? We watched okay, so. we watched the Ted Bundy tapes about a week and a half ago. Mm-hmm. That guy's a saint compared to this situation. Yes. Wow. <laughs> Which is, Which, yeah, that's the- a horrible comparison because that dude murdered like 30 plus women. A saint. <laughs> yeah. A saint. Okay, so first off, let the record show that all three things that we've brought up watching-wise are you abducted in plain sight and now the Ted Bundy tapes. <laughs> It's been a bit of a dark time, dark winter here at Sensibly Loud. I think it's uh, That's right. time to shake out of, into the spring. I'm glad baseball is here. We are definitely ready for spring. The other for thing that we've been watching that we are really disappointed about that got canceled is Friends from College. Was that with um, Keegan the Michael Key. from uh, How I Met Your Mother? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can't think of her name in real life. Yeah, Fred Savage is in it as well. Always yeah. a classic. Yes. I feel like I never know what to do with Fred or Ben Savage. I would agree with that. Did you ever watch The Wonder Years? Yes. Are you happy you watched The Wonder Years or not? Is anyone really happy yeah, that I they do. watched The Wonder Years? <laughs> I know. You haven't seen it, right, Claire? No, you haven't I've watched never that seen show. it. Uh-uh. See, I feel like I was good to grow up with that show, but I also feel like that's not true either. All right. Let the record show my wife just gave me the absolute worst look because I definitely think that we have a Wonder Years fan listening to this podcast. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with the show specifically. I just, I don't, I can't really put my finger on it. Maybe it's just the sappiness of it. Is that what it is? I don't know. So whenever it would come on, and of course I want to say it was reruns because it came out in the early 80s, right? Yeah. So I, I would have been watching reruns in the early 90s. Yeah, it was, it became, it came in syndication like mid to late 90s probably. Okay. So, Here's where I think, I mean, at the time I loved it. I feel like, though, going back at it as like a 31-year-old, it might have some of those sort of tropes where it's like nostalgic for nostalgic's sake. Mm-hmm. And maybe some of the things that we thought were endearing now are like, okay. But then again, it could be where when I look at it now, you know, now I, I'm aligning more with the parents as opposed to the sure. kids. You know, I don't know. So like, which which... You know what I mean? I do. I just, I always remember the dad. What was his name? It was Jack Arnold, right? Was his name in the show? Uh, I think Arnold yeah, so was, was from it was, Happy Days. No, Kevin Arnold was the kid. Was Fred's yeah. Ha- yeah. So I, I just remember Jack. him being stressed out, paying bills, and dropping Alka-Seltzer into a cup of water. Definitely know how that feels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying. Like, it's... Kind of one of those funny life things where it kind of comes full circle. But I specifically remember that out of that show. Wayne, the older brother, was always a dick, too. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that guy was the quintessential older brother. I think that was probably the thing that it was trying to encapsulate the most, right? Was what it's like to grow up in the 70s. I think so. I mean, I wasn't there, so I have to, like, juxtapose that with that 70s show and and kind of paint a picture. Yeah, that's true. Throwing some Star Wars and some Zeppelin LPs and bag of dirt Mexican weed. <laughs> you start to paint quite the picture. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, we definitely want to thank everyone for tuning in to Sensibly Loud Radio. Make sure to check us out at sensiblyloud.com. Don't forget, if you like what we're doing, we are all over your social media, not only for this show, but also for our others. We have The Outfielder, our baseball podcast, Between the Hashes for those football fans, On the Break, a basketball pod, this one, of course, Sensibly Loud Radio, and the newest addition to our family, Just Peachy. So definitely check us out, and thank you so much for listening. 
We know what that sound means. It's time for us to get out of here. We want to thank everyone for joining us for this edition of Sensibly Loud Radio. If you love the show, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share with your friends and family. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and of course at SensiblyLoud.com. Thank you for joining us, and we'll catch you next time for another edition of Sensibly Loud Radio. <laughs>